ahead and go before the Lord in prayer. I want to pray for you. I want to pray over your needs. Even though I may know what they are, the Lord knows what they are. And as we begin to pray, I just want you to simply cry out to God. Simply voice those needs, those cares, those concerns that you have in your heart and in your life. And we're just going to give them to God today and tell them that it's all good. Then we're going to pray for our city. We just received word that there's going to be a protest here in our city at 6 p.m. And so we are praying for peace. We are praying for the presence of God to be in this city and be with our people who are hurting, and rightfully so. But we know that there is a right way to do everything. And we want to make sure that the presence of God is in this place, that this city uh, stands up to the, its name, the body of Christ. And we would uh, invoke the Spirit of God in this place, that there would be peace amongst the protesters, and that we will accomplish much, not just by the protesters, and not just by the things that we've done in the past, but by calling upon the name of the Lord to bring peace back into our land again. So we pray for our city, we pray for our nation, we pray for our world. There's a pandemic that is still going on, even though they're not talking about that much right now. Uh, they, we have a lot of things that are going on right now, and we in the presence of God. So we're going to pray for all of those things. We're going to pray over your gifts and over your offerings, as well as the word of God, and then we're going to begin. So join me in praying, if you would, please. Precious Lord, as we humbly come before you today at this time, we are seeking, we are believing, we are asking, we are pursuing revival. We are wanting to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. And so as we come to you, God, we set aside our own hidden agenda, our own ways of doing things, because you say in your word that your ways are not our ways, your thoughts are not our thoughts, for as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are your ways and thoughts from us. So we come to set aside our ways and our thoughts and pursue your heart, your mind, your spirit, as we pursue your way, we may have your results, whether it be in our personal life or in the situation that we find ourselves in, in our nation and in our world. So we ask, God, as we cry out to you at this time and set all of our burdens, our cares, our fears, our worries, our doubts, all of our pent-up emotions, God, that we don't know how to deal with all of these things, and simply cast cares upon you, because you say you care for us, and you are better equipped, God, in handling these things than we are. So as we set them aside, we set them at your feet or your altar, we want to leave them there. We don't want to pick them up again. We want to leave this place, God, burdened and weighed down, knowing that everything we place in your hands, you are able to handle good in your glory. So not only do we place these burdens and cares in your hands, we do place this offering, this gift as well. And we pray that you will bless it. You will increase both the gift as well as the giver. Increase and multiply them both that there may be food in your house and that we may have an abundance for every good work. And now, God, we ask that you will watch over this word that you have placed on our hearts, God, to know and to understand, but also to believe and to that we may leave this place changed and thoroughly equipped for the good work you've called us to do. For our good 
pray now in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. And all of God's people said together, amen and amen. Give your Lord a praise one more time if you will, please. Amen, amen. Well, what a year 2020 has been. <laughs> what a year this has been, and we're not even halfway done with it yet. <laughs> we're not even halfway done with this year, and it has been heartache after heartache and pandemic after pandemic and all kinds of things that have happened and taken place in 2020. It makes you think, it makes you wonder about all of those prophets and all of those prophecies that were given for 2020. You know the ones that I'm talking about, the ones, well, get ready, get ready, this is your year. <laughs> year of breakthrough, year of prosperity, year of favor and blessing, this is your year. <laughs> who would have known, who would have thought we would have a year like this? A year like we're having, a year like we're experiencing. Everything but peace, everything but prosperity. All hell is breaking loose in our land, in our nation, and even in our world. What a year it has been in 2020. You know, the theme, I don't know if y'all caught it or not, but we had a certain theme for the songs that we played today. It was all about life. <laughs> Christ alive in me. May our worship turn into a revival. We want to see a revival. How many know a revival is not a week-long series of church services? That's not what a revival is. <laughs> and that's not what a revival is. That's, we're going to have a week-long series of some church services. We're going to call some guest pastors in, and that's a revival. No, that is not a revival. <laughs> a revival is to be restored. It is to be resuscitated. That which was once alive has now died, and it now needs to be revived again. That is a revival. <laughs> and unless that is going on, I don't care what you call your church service, that is not a revival. A revival means that we are admitting that we are dead, and we need the almighty hand of God to come and to revive us Again, that's what the book said in Revelation, where woe to you who think that you are rich and you will have everything you need, and you don't understand that you are poor and you are naked and you are wretched. You don't get that. You don't understand that. If you would just know that you are dead, then you will call upon me for revival. And so that's what we saw. That's why we wanted to continue to praise God and to worship God in spite of all the things that are going on in our world, because not only is he deserving of it, that is what we need at this time. We need revival. We need life. We need the presence of God to invade the affairs of life. So as you turn on your news and as you look and see all the things that are going on and happening in our world and our nation, you may have this question in your mind, what in the world is going on? What in the world is going on from these pandemics to uh, this economy uh, plummeting to now the unrest because of the injustices in our streets? What in the world is going on? Well, to answer that question, you don't have to say what in the world is going on. I believe we say what we say on Wednesdays. What in the Word is going on? 
the unmentoring services, uh, we call it the underground, but we call our sessions that we have, What in the Word? <laughs> what in the Word? Because what we do is we take all of these hot-button issues and these current event topics and all these things that are happening in our lives where people will ask the question, what in the world is, is going on? But we say, no, let's go to the Word of God to see what's going on. Let's go to the Word of God to see what is happening because God is addressing these things. And we need to know and understand what in God's Word is going on that it, we are seeing manifest and play out before our very eyes. So what might be happening according to God's Word? All the things that we are seeing in our life, in our nation, even in our world, what might be going what might be happening according to God's Word? Well, I remember growing up and throughout my days in school, we used to have fire drills, right? Y'all remember fire drills? <laughs> Every time, periodically throughout the year, you would have fire drills. And fire drills, of course, were to get you ready, to get you prepared for what might happen. <laughs> for what might happen. And all of my years of being in school, there was only one time where we actually had a fire. <laughs> it was a little one. Somebody, I think, set one of the football banners in a concourse on fire. We all had to get out of the out of the school, and they gave us day off. We went to the beach, and we had a good time that day. <laughs> but out of all of my years of being in school, that was the only time we had anything uh, that remotely resembled a fire that needed us to be prepared, ready for a fire drill. But last year, when I was in Israel. We went to the Gaza Strip, and we went to this above-ground bomb shelter. And they say they don't have fire drills. What they have are bomb drills. They have bomb drills, and they have these bomb drills not for what if a bomb comes, but when a bomb comes. <laughs> no, because bombs are coming constantly. As a matter of fact, they have an app for their phone that will alert them and let them know when a bomb is in the air and it's approaching. So the difference between a fire drill and a bomb drill in Israel is we prepare for what might happen. They prepare for what they know is going to happen. And I believe this might be what is going on in our nation and in our world today. See, an alarm or a drill, it is designed to wake you up. It is designed to get your attention. And because this is happening in our entire world, could it be that God is trying to get the attention of the entire nation? In Joel 1 1, Joel 1 1, our next minor prophet that we're going to study today, Joel 1 1, this is what he says. It says, The word of the Lord came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Watch this. Has anything like this happened in your days? Or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children about it. And their children even to another or the next. God gives a word to his people through the prophet Joel, 
and he simply asked a question. The question he asked is this, has anything like this ever happened to you in your day? Has anything like this ever happened to you even in the days of your father, your parents, or even your grandparents? We can take, for, for example, this pandemic. Has anything like this pandemic ever happened to you in your lifetime where you can think of another time when one single event affected the entire world? In so many areas and aspects of this world, not just our health, but our finance, our economy, our jobs, uh, our, our food, I mean, so many different areas. When was the last time in your lifetime one single event affected the entire world? God asked his people, Israel, has anything like this ever happened to you in your lifetime? Has anything like this ever happened to you even in your father's lifetime? This pandemic that we are seeing is nothing like we've ever seen. Could it be that God is shaking the world in order to get the attention of the world? See, a lot of times we'll see plagues and pandemics and diseases and famines and things, but it'll just be in areas of the world, <laughs> certain pockets of the world. It's way over there, way on the other side of the world, so that ain't had anything to do with me. Why do I have to worry about that? And we pay it no mind. It is just a blip on the on our screen as we're scrolling through our news. Oh, well, too bad for them, but what does that do to me? But now this is affecting everybody. And because it is affecting everybody, could it be God trying to get everybody's attention? Could God be shaking it up? Now, in Joel's day, they also had a pandemic. They also had a plague. But it was a little bit different. In verse 4, Joel 1, it says this, What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust has left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust Joel's day, their plague, their pandemic was a bunch of locusts that came to the earth. You know, right now, I don't know if you heard the report, but they're saying these 17-year-old uh, cicadas, locusts, they're about to emerge out of the ground, okay? Now, it's not really strange because this happens ever so often. You have these annual locusts that come yearly, but then you have these periodic locusts that come every 17 they're saying they're just about due. They're about to come up out of the ground again. Now, they say normally these pose no threat. They're not going to eat up everything. They just maybe be a nuisance because of the noise. But after a few weeks, they'll go back down in the ground, die, and they'll start to have problems over again. But in East Africa right now, in East Africa, there is a swarm of locusts wrecking havoc for them. Eating everything in sight, everything that is green, every crop, every herb, every grass, everything in sight. They are devouring that land, these locusts. And it makes me think of what Joel is going through with the people of God at this time because 
this uh, pandemic of locusts have come to God's people. And they are devouring the land of God's people. And that is what he is talking about. Have you ever seen anything like this, O Israel? Have you ever seen anything like this where God says, it was one after the other, after the other, after the other. The chewing locusts are devouring, but what they leave behind, the swarming locusts are going to take care of. And what they leave behind, the crawling locusts are going to get. And what they leave behind, the consuming locusts are then going to take care of. It is just one after the other, after the other, after the other, which causes me to pause in the problem and say, wait a minute. Could we be seeing a series of events that are coming in our land? I mean, first it was the pandemic <laughs> that hit us. And then when the numbers start to go down and it seems like we're about to get out of this thing, all of a sudden, injustice in the streets. And because of this injustice, now you have unrest everywhere. It doesn't seem like it's going away. It doesn't seem that there's any answer to it. Could there be something else even beyond that? Well, what the pandemic didn't take care of, the unrest will. And what the unrest didn't take care of, something else is coming after that, and something after that, and something after that. Could it be God is trying to get our attention? Could it be that God is trying to wake us up, to shake us up, to get our attention? You see, we're going to find out in discovery in Joel that the locusts were simply a warning. <laughs> they thought the locusts were their problem. Locusts weren't their problem. The locusts were simply a warning. The locusts were uh, a, a sample. You, you remember the time when we used to be able to whip our kids and give them candy? Y'all remember that time? Okay. <laughs> and there were times when your parents, they would, you would be doing something, and they would just give you a swat, right? Huh. And what would they say? That's just a sample. <laughs> that's, that's just a sample. You keep it up. <laughs> That is just a, that sample was a warning. That sample was a sign of mercy and grace. God said, I don't want to have to unleash my wrath upon you. <laughs> I don't want to have to go get a switch. I don't want to have to go take you to the rest. I don't want to do that. So let me just give you a sample. Could this pandemic be God? Could this unrest be God simply giving us a sample so that we don't have to feel and experience the full wrath of God upon us? You see, God will illustrate his word through prophets, like we said last week. But he will also illustrate his word through trolls. God will illustrate his word. He will get his word across, and he will use prophets to do it but he will also use plagues to do it. Just ask Egypt. All ten of the plagues that God sent upon Egypt, they all served a purpose. They were coming after the uh, Egyptian gods. God says, you want to worship the God of the Nile, the God of water? Let me turn that water into blood. Drown me right now. You want to worship the sun god, the God of the sun? Well, guess what? Crap off. Now what are you going to do? Cry out to your God now. See if you can get the lights back on. Every time God sent a plague, it was for a meaning. It was for a purpose. 
And could these plagues and could these pandemics that we are seeing simply be God giving us a safety? God giving us a safety. I don't believe that COVID-19 is the judgment of God. I don't believe that. Just like I didn't believe that 9-11 was the judgment of God. When 9-11 happened, yeah, a lot of people said, well, this is the judgment of God for our sins. This is the judgment of God for the sins of this nation. No, I don't believe that. When God began to unleash his wrath upon this world, for the sins of this world, you will know it. <laughs> if you're still here for it, <laughs> you will know it. There will be no ambiguity about it. When God began to unleash his wrath upon this world for the sins of this world, you will know it. Why? How do we know it? Because the Bible says in Revelation, they're going to begin to wave their fists at God. <laughs> because of all of the wrath that is coming, they know where it's coming from. Right now, we can say, well, maybe it's nature, maybe it's global warming, maybe it's just uh, the unrest, and we haven't dealt with the sins of our forefathers. All That's why these things are happening. So we're not attributing it to God. But when God begins to unleash his wrath on this world for the sins of this world, everybody will know it. So, no, I do not believe that COVID-19 is the wrath of God. I do not believe that COVID-19 is, is, is the judgment of God. But it could be the setup. It could be the wake-up call. It could be the warning. God simply getting our attention. And there is a phrase that we use to say it is the calm before the storm. The calm before the storm. That means the, the sky is blue, the clouds are out, the birds are chirping, and the sun is peacefully calm, not realizing that on the other side of the horizon is storm. It is the calm before the storm. Well, a calm before the storm is deceiving. <laughs> a calm before the storm is deceiving. That's why Jesus said they're going to say peace and prosperity, and we don't understand that that judgment is right around the corner. Because a calm before the storm is deceiving. See, God doesn't give calm before the storm. Let me tell you what he does give us. He gives calm before the storm. He will give the calm before the storm. Why? So that we may avoid it. Oh, that's a dangerous thing. They say some of the most dangerous natural disasters that we have are uh, tornadoes and earthquakes. <laughs> tornadoes and earthquakes. Why? Because they come without notice. They come without warning. You don't know when an earthquake is going to come. You don't know when a tornado is going to happen. With a hurricane, we can see that coming. <laughs> we can prepare for that. We know there's a season where we're, we're susceptible to fires happening, so we can prepare for that. But when the very ground that you stand on begins to shake without warning, what are you going to do? When all of a sudden the wind begins to come up uh, in a tumultuous way without warning, what do you do then? And so... God doesn't give the calm before the storm. He will give a calm before the storm. So that you may wake up and realize it and you may avoid it. So in Joel's day, the locusts represent the call before the storm. The 
locusts were not the problem. Even though they were a problem for them, they were actually not the problem. They were simply the cause for the problem. They were the cause before the judgment of God was coming. Anybody here ever oversleep? <laughs> you know, you set your alarm. <laughs> you have to get up for work. You had an important event or something. So I'm going to set this alarm. And you wake up an hour and a half later, you know, <laughs> in a panic, <laughs> trying to have a rush. You overslept. You didn't hear the alarm or the alarm didn't go off. That is the worst thing to, to sleep past your wake-up call. Jonah, we're going to get to Jonah uh, in our series. He's one of the minor prophets we're going to study. The Jonah experience this. Jonah gets on a boat toward Tarshish, the two opposite directions God told him to go. And so God sends a storm with Jonah's name on it. But what is Jonah doing? <laughs> He's fast asleep <laughs> in the bottom of the boat. Now, how can you sleep <laughs> through your own wake-up call? <laughs> how do you sleep through a storm that was meant to get your attention? See, I think the very worst thing that can happen with this pandemic is God lifts this pandemic and we get back to life as normal. That's the worst thing that can happen. We get back to life as we always would, even before the pandemic. That's the worst thing that can happen. That is to waste the call. <laughs> and God is given this call for a reason and a purpose. And the worst thing we can do is forget about it and go right back to life as normal. But yet, that's what we do. We do it collectively, corporately. We do it individually. It's kind of like that, that one joke where that guy, he was late for his meeting. He was trying to look for a parking Spot, uh, and he couldn't find one. He says, Lord, I know I haven't been in church for a while. I haven't prayed. I haven't been living right. But this is an important meeting. So if you help me find a parking spot, I promise I will start going to church. I will start praying. I will start living right. Please just help me find a parking spot. And right at that moment, right in front of the building he was going into, somebody began to back out. And he said, oh, never mind, God. I found one. I'm all right. Good. Thank you. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that we cry out to God and we want God and we ask for His presence when we're in the thick of it? <laughs> we're in the middle of it. But as soon as God rescues us out of it, as soon as God delivers us out of the pain, out of the anguish, out of the struggle, it is interesting how quickly we forget about God. Never mind, God. I got it now. Well, I know you got it now. I delivered you out of it. <laughs> what were you doing when you were calling out for my name for help, for protection and peace and provision. When you're in the thinking, why now when I've delivered you, are you going to forget about me again and go back to your life as you've always done? Because that is the mentality of most people. We use God like a spare tire. We throw him in the back of our trunk, hoping we never need him or need to use him. But when we do, we'll pull him out and say, God, I need you now. But when we're done, we put him right back where he was. God says, do not miss this moment. Do not miss your wake-up call, friend. Do not miss this wake-up call, world. God is waking us up and he's shaking us up to get our attention. So when God gives the call before the storm, then what should be our response? How should we respond? Well, in verse 14 of Jonah, 
to hear that church is a church. And some of y'all, y'all didn't want to celebrate that because of who said it, but God said it first, okay? <laughs> God said it first, okay? Go back and read Joel again, okay? The church is essential. We need to be praying more, not less. And I know the building is not the church, okay? So save your comments. I know the building is not the church, but guess what? You are not the church either. The building is not the church, but you are not the church either. We are the church. <laughs> like I said before, yeah, you can pray by yourself, you can worship by yourself, you can praise by yourself, you can do all of us, but you cannot have church by yourself. <laughs> church by definition is ecclesia, the called out ones. Plural. Now, I'm not trying to come against anybody who don't want to come out to church. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying that, like God has said through the prophet Joel, church is essential. The people of God coming together is essential. There is a different dynamic that happens. There is a different dynamic that takes place when the people of God get together. That's why God says where you are gathered. No, he says where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst of them. Because there is a different dynamic that takes place when the people of God get together in this church. Now, if you're just assembling just to assemble, yeah, stay home. <laughs> if you're just coming together just to come together just to say you have church, yeah, stay home. But there are certain things that God said through the prophet Joel that we must be doing when we come together. He says you come together to fast, to assemble, to gather, and to cry out. But it is the gathering, it is the assembling, it is the collection of the saints of God. And he is in the midst of it. So what do we to do here? And how do we apply this to the pandemic that we are beginning to see in our land, our nation? Well, number one, he says, you come together to fast. You come together to fast. What is a fast? What does a fast mean? Well, fast means to abstain from the physical in order to address the spiritual. That's fast. When you abstain from the physical, okay, whether it's eating, food, entertainment, watching TV, whatever it is, you abstain from the physical so that you may address the spiritual. And God says, even though these things that you are seeing is manifesting physically, 
it has to have a spirit of truth. And right now you need wisdom. Right now you need guidance. Right now you need the hand of God. So deny yourself physically in order to connect with him spiritually. We need to fast. And the fast is a way when we humble ourselves before God. We say, God, we need you. God, we cannot do this without you. We are humbling ourselves before you so that we may address the spiritual needs to fix this physical problem. See, the problem that we have even with this unrest and, and, and unruliness that we are seeing in our, in our land, in our nation, is because we keep trying to fix the fruit. All we're doing is trying to fix the fruit and never dealing with the root. And the root of the problem is not proper praying. We've been praying all day here, every day, right? It's not having another wine taste. It's not lifting up any of those things. No, that was an issue of the heart. What that man did to, to, to uh, Floyd was not what was not in his head. It was what's not in his heart, right? I don't care what kind of training you have had and what they told you to do. There's no way you can tell me that you can hear a man begging and pleading for his life and you do absolutely nothing wrong, but yet you have something in your heart that's wrong. This is not a head issue. This is a heart issue. And all if all we do is continue to address the head and deal with the fruit, we never deal with the
something to this unending to you. He's coming to us and, and us. No, you're so, so concerned about building your own kingdom. You are divided from the people of God, and that's not able to come together to build God's kingdom. God says, no, I want you to come together. Don't just come together. I want you to come together. Because all this that we are doing is not for us. It is not for our glory. It's for the glory and honor of Almighty God. And then he says, when we come together, we come together to triumph. We come together to triumph. You know, the Bible says that unless God builds the church, I don't care what you do. <laughs> unless God builds the city, the workers work in vain, the Bible says. Unless God is watching over your city, God says you stay away from them. Doesn't matter what you are doing. If God is not in it, if God is not building it up, if God is not keeping you, if God is not protecting you, what you do is in vain. And all he has to do is get out of the way and allow a prayer or pandemic to pass. Let me give you something where your money won't get you out of it. Your fame won't do anything about it. All the social media friends can't help you out on this one. Let me give you something beyond your control so you can see without me, as Jesus said, you can do nothing. God says, when you come together, when you assemble, when you fast and you pray, you are coming to cry out to me. Here's what prayer is. Prayer is a humbling thing because you are admitting your dependence upon God. So when you see the call before the storm, when you hear the call before the storm, God says, respond. And there's only one, one way you can respond to this. Chapter 2, we're just about done, but in chapter 2 of Joel, verse 1, God says this, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, and it is at hand. God says, no, the locusts need to die. What the locusts are doing physically is what's taking place spiritually. There is a devourer in your land. There is an, a, a devourer in your land, in your midst. And because of that, you are bringing judgment upon yourself. So I'm going to blow the trumpet. I'm going to sound the alarm. I'm going to let everybody know why. Because the day of the Lord is coming. And the day of the Lord is at hand. This is why when Jesus said, the last days when you will see wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes and famines and terrors will be dangerous and various things. But that's part of the plan. Why? Because these are the callings of Christians. These are the wake-up calls. These are God blowing his trumpet and sounding the alarm to get us to wake up. So could God be causing us at this moment to focus on focus on physical death so that we may see how vulnerable we truly are and trust that 
that you are really that's why he called his people stiff necked in front of him right because they were again again they were perhaps stiff necked because they were going that direction and they were never willing to turn never willing to repent God says turn to me with all of your heart with fasting with weeping and with mourning so signs that people were mourning and they were sorrowful for their sin is they would tear their clothes. You ever hear that expression, I'm all torn up inside. I'm all torn up inside. And so they will illustrate that with the physical. They will tear their clothes to illustrate how torn up inside they are with their sin. So God says, you got to the point where that's just a show. <laughs> Those are just crocodile tears. You're tearing your clothes, so your heart's not beating. It's not all right because you have not repented yet. You may feel bad. You may feel guilty. You may feel shame, but you have not repented yet. You have not turned to me or returned to me with all of your heart. And so he says, do this. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and he is merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing Moses, but do relent. <laughs> God relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave us not to perish? God says, if you will turn and repent, I may turn and relent from you. If you would but just turn and repent, you may find that I am willing to turn and relent from the death and destruction and devastation that I would cause and leave us not to perish. You see, the result of repentance is always destruction. The result of repentance is always destruction. That's why we preach repentance here. Jesus preached repentance. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. When Peter stood up and spoke, he said, repent and return to the Lord. Repentance, if you are not telling them right now. I don't care what good words and, and nuggets of wisdom you're given and life application and practical principles you're given. If you are not telling people to repent, you can forget about restoration. The result of repentance is restoration. He says in verse 25, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts, my great army which I sent among you. Who sent the locusts? God. God got out of the way and sent his son to get their attention so that they would repent. So the result of repentance is restoration. When we hear the call to
when I shut up the heavens and send no rain, or when I get out of the way and allow locusts to come through the land, or when I allow a plague to be amongst my people, if my people who are called by my name will but humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then, and only then, will I hear from heaven. I will forgive them of their sin, and I will heal their land. God is saying, when I give you the rain, when I give you the wake-up call, when I give you the call before the storm, if you will respond, if you repent, you will be restored. This is the word, this is the message this nation and this world needs to hear. God is waking us up. God is getting our attention. God is shaking us up to be saved so that we may be healed and restored. We had a in the building <laughs> the alarm going off you know it's loud <laughs> it is irritating <laughs> you got to put your hands over your ears <laughs> it is inconvenient you got to stop what you're doing you got to leave and go outside you got to wait for the fire department to come and somebody to turn it off it's all those things well guess what it was designed that way it was designed that way if the alarm was just you know sheet music Elevator music, you wouldn't do anything. <laughs> but it's designed to be irritating. It's designed to be painful. It's designed to be inconvenient. Why? So that you may do something about it. God says, I'm going to sound the alarm. <laughs> I'm going to wake you up. I'm going to get your attention. And I'm going to do something about it. Amen? Give the Lord a hand for his word today, if you will, please. That is the prophet Joel. We're going to continue these series. We're going to go to the next prophet. So if you want to read along, I believe it's the book of Amos. You can read along and see what is the major of that particular minor. But before we let you go, we wanted to give you an opportunity now to make some decisions in light of what you have now heard. The Bible says, again, we said this last week, how can we neglect so great a salvation? God did not have to do it. God did not have to do what he did. God didn't even have to send us warning or give us another chance and another opportunity. He did not have to be merciful towards us. He didn't have to be gracious towards us. But I am so glad he did. I'm so glad he was willing to do that for us. So how can we come in and to hear the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and forbearance of so he is willing to keep us from the wrath to come, but we stay unfaithful. God wants to get your attention today. And whether this pandemic is here to stay or not, whether the unrest gets worse or not, you need to do what it says here. Respond to the voice of your God. He is talking to you. 
you will not give up and continue that. May this day be the day that we respond to you. And may this day be the day that we all respond by repenting and turning back to you. And you may be restored once again. Revive us as a nation. Revive us as a person, as a people, as a church, as a city, as a state, as a nation, as a world. Revive us as a nation. And we just help to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. We ask this in the powerful and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Son, our Lord, and all of God's people said together, amen and praise God. God bless you. We love you.